everybody, and welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast. This is episode 51, and I'm your host, Jimmy Covington, and I'm joined by my brother. What's going on, everybody? It's Quentin Douglas. How you doing today, man? I'm doing pretty good, bro. How about you? I cannot complain. Got the hand washed, the whip, clean the inside, got to listen to some tunes. It's been a good day, man. Got the whip beaming. Yeah, you already know. Man, last time I washed mine, I think it rained not even 20 minutes after I finished washing it. Hey, but you still had that shine, though, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, you know, for some reason, it seemed like the pollen been kind of bad down here this year. You already know. Terrible. But we got a jam-packed show for y'all today. Uh, we're going to get started, but today we're going to start off a little different. Uh, we're going to start introducing a quick hit segment of from now on, from, from from most of the shows, you know, going forward, depending on, you know, what happens during the week. Uh, but first, we're going to start off, uh, Tim Tebow, I'm sure you haven't heard that name in a while, is expected to sign with the Jacksonville Jaguars as a tight end. Uh, Quinn, what are your thoughts on, on the Tim Tebow situation? Man, so definitely, I couldn't say I was completely shocked at the news, but it definitely caught me off guard because, I mean, we hadn't seen Tim Tebow playing in the league in like six years now, I believe. Uh, you know, of course, he had his stint with minor baseball, but uh, for him to come back in the league after such a long period of time, I'm just I'm interested to see how he's going to perform, how his body will hold up. And I really want to know just how much he's actually going to contribute on the field because, of course, I get it. You know, he has a really deep connection with uh, Jacksonville's new head coach, Urban Meyer. But I just feel like, at least right now in this moment, he'd be more productive as a coach than he will as a player. For me, I think it's all about his relationship with Urban Meyer. I think that's, that's what it is. He hasn't played a single snap of tight end in his life, more than likely. He's 33 years old, and he took his last snap uh, December 30th of 2012 was the last time he took a regular season snap. So my guess, if, if I'm guessing how he's going to be used, I would assume he's probably going to be used uh, so similar to what the Saints do with Taysom Hill. But I don't think Tim Tebow is was ever the athlete that Taysom, hit, Taysom Hill is. And I don't think he definitely isn't now at age 33. But I'm also interested to see how his body holds up. Minnesota has been playing baseball for the last, the, the last several years. And we both know uh, – there is no sport outside of, you know, boxing or UFC that compares to the every down physicality of the NFL. So, honestly, I think it's just all about his relationship with Urban Meyer. And I'm sure there were some more guys that are more deserving of a, of a shot, but it's all about who you know. And this is a prime example of that. Right. You're exactly right. Definitely a good example of, you know, it's not always about what you know, but who you know. But, you know, it's been a long, long time since Urban Myers worked with Tebow. But I have to imagine if there's anybody who's able to utilize him, Urban's probably one of the best guys. But And I think another place that'll help, it'll probably definitely sell some tickets. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, you got Trevor. And Tim Tebow is from Jacksonville, too. So they def- I'm sure that plays a little bit into it. I know there were some... Some guys that came out and spoke against it, uh, mentioned the call of Kaepernick, but it's a completely different situation. Uh, it's not relatable at all. Uh, Shannon Sharp was the one person who I listened to that actually, you know, spoke. He he mentioned uh, the amount of guys that were in his inbox talking, trying to get a shot at playing tight end. So I'm sure there were some guys that are more deserving of a shot. But like I said, once again, it's about who you know. 
Right. Definitely about who you know. But, you know, if anything, I had to say he had a pretty interesting tight end mentor in Aaron Hernandez back in his college days. That's true. I don't know if you know if you want to consider him a mentor, but he, he definitely he was he was around. The, I'm sure he's been around some good tight ends, so we'll, we'll see. Um, we'll see. No doubt, we definitely will. Uh, and I think next up on the quick hitter, someone to touch on. Uh, you know, really unfortunate. You know, we've seen all year a lot of star players suffer injuries in the NBA, uh, and unfortunately, it's continued. Jalen Brown, who was in the middle of Easily his career best season. Uh, unfortunately, he's out now the rest of the year with a torn ligament in his left wrist, uh, which they actually just discovered uh, this past weekend. But he was putting up nearly 25 a game, shooting 48% from the field, 40% from three. Uh, and, you know, he brought a lot to that team. He really improved his ball handling. And, you know, we really knew what he brought on the defensive end. So, I think it's a really big blow to this Boston team, especially now with the postseason coming up. It's definitely a huge blow. Uh, they were already struggling, even with him. Uh, he's averaging almost 25 points, six rebounds, three assists, uh, 48% from the field, almost 40% from three, uh, 76% from the free throw line. He's averaging a career-high minutes, field goals per game, field goals attempted, field goal percentage, three-pointers made and attempted, three-point percentage, free throws made and attempted, Rebounds per game, steals per game, and block per game. So he's having a career year literally almost entirely across the board. So And he was an all-star too. So that's definitely going to be a big blow to Boston. I didn't really expect him to make too much noise, uh, even if he was in the lineup, due to, you know, the teams with, you know, better options as, you know, Brooklyn, Philly, uh, Miami comes to mind, Milwaukee. I didn't think they were going to be – they were good enough to compete with those teams. Uh, but it's definitely a big blow to their playoff hopes. And, uh, you know, I wish the best going forward for Jalen Brown. hope he recovers quickly. Yeah, I hope so too, man. He was definitely becoming one of my favorite players uh, in the league. But, uh, you know, with his absence, they're really going to need guys like Kimball Walker uh, and Evan Fournier to really step up and provide a boost in his absence. Definitely, definitely, definitely. But moving on to our last portion of the quick hit segment, uh, tight NFL tight end Sean Culkin uh, was cut by the Kansas City Chiefs. And here's the here's the thing here. He wanted to have his entire salary converted to Bitcoin. Now, I think his salary is supposed to be over $900,000, and the, and the Chiefs cut him before that even set in. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on this situation? Yeah, man. Like you said, he wanted to convert his entire 2021 salary into cryptocurrency. And, you know, I was – I'm assuming he was thinking, you know, I'm going to be the new guy to break the mold and set the trend because a lot of people are really in the cryptocurrency nowadays. Uh, and I guess, you know, clearly the Kansas City Chiefs had other uh, thoughts in mind. They actually went out and invested really heavily in the tight end position this year. We know, of course, they got all pro Travis Kelsey, uh, but they went out, they signed, a, uh, you remember Blake Bell? He played at Oklahoma. They got him in free agency, and then they brought in Noah Gray in the fifth round who went to Duke, uh, tight end there. So, uh, like you said, pretty interesting that he wanted this converted to Bitcoin, but I'll be interested to see if anybody else attempts this in the near future. If I'm not mistaken, before last season, I want to say Russell Okun uh, for the Carolina Panthers wanted – I think he got half of his salary converted to Bitcoin. Bitcoin. 
either I think he I think he got it converted or he wanted to. I'm not too sure on that. You're right. But you're I, right. He received half of it in Bitcoin. Yeah, so I remember that from last season. So no, he's not the first guy, but I expected to be. Uh, I I would expect it to maybe become a trend going forward. Uh, maybe not guys trying to get their entire salary, but some of their salary. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up. I definitely forgot about Russell Okun because, of course, he that made him the first player uh, to have his contract paid in cryptocurrency. But he actually got six and a half million in Bitcoin. And so, actually. It was a thirteen. He had a thirteen million dollars salary, so he took that six and a half million and uh, he flipped it into thirteen point eight million. So that thirteen million dollars basically turned into twenty because he took half of it and converted it to Bitcoin. So he made about seven million extra dollars converting that to Bitcoin. Yep, and you know I think some other professional athletes, uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, guard for the Brooklyn Nets. You know I think he said before. Uh, that he received some of his salary in Bitcoin and even some members of the New York Yankees as well. I believe they also uh, received some salary in Bitcoin. So like you said, it'll be interesting to see how many athletes uh, try to take part in this. Definitely, definitely, definitely. All right. But we're going to go ahead and get started with our actual topics for today. So the NBA season is winding down. Playoffs are extremely near, I think, starting maybe in the next couple weeks or so. Uh, but before that, there we have the NBA playoff play-in, uh, which starts on May 18th. So I'm going to give you a little background information about the play-in just to let you know you know how the seeding gets done. So first, the winner of the number seven and eight seed matchup, they get the seven seed. The loser of the seven and eight seed matchup plays the winner of the nine and ten seed matchup, and that's who gets the eighth seed. So just to give you a little brief information, in the Western Conference, the Los Angeles Lakers sit at seventh. The Golden State Warriors sit at 8th. The Memphis Grizzlies sit at the 9th seed. And the San Antonio Spurs sit at 10. For the Eastern Conference, Boston is currently at 7. Charlotte at 8. Indiana at 9. And Washington at 10. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on the play-in picture? Who do you think will get what seeds? Yeah, man. Most Well, one of the most exciting times of the year for me. NBA playoffs, nothing like it. One of the best atmospheres in sports. So, first off, we're going to take a look at the Western Conference. So, at the time we're recording this video, as it stands, uh, we have Golden State against the Lakers in the first uh, play-in game in the Western Conference. Now, of course, this is not the situation the Lakers wanted to be in, especially if you go and look at LeBron's comment from a year ago where, you know, he was talking about the teams grinding and out in the play-in game. Well, guess what? Now he finds himself in that position um, and just so happens to be against the Golden State Warriors who, you know, coming into the year, people had high expectations. You got Klay Thompson going out with an unfortunate season ending injury and, you know, they find themselves scratching and clawing and now they're in the play-in game as well. But, you know, they have arguably the hottest player in the league on their side in Steph Curry. Uh, and, you know, he cooled down a little bit last night. Uh, you know, he was contained. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was actually their number one option. He went off for nearly 40 points. But, you know, he's going to need performances like that in the playoff play-in game and in the playoff series if the Warriors are going to have any hope of advancing. Uh, but in that match, i definitely take the Lakers. And then, you know, looking down in the next spot, you got the number 10 San Antonio Spurs 
who will take on the number nine seed Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and, you know, it's a really interesting matchup. You know, ideally, the Grizzlies would probably want to get up into that eight seed because, you know, with this game, regardless, the winner would still have to play two games just to essentially get into the playoffs. Uh, and they actually take on the Golden State Warriors the last night of the regular season, which is Sunday night, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong on that. But um, I think the Golden State Warriors will edge them out in that matchup. And so if this were to take place, I'd definitely take the Grizzlies over the Spurs. Um, I think the Spurs have been highly inconsistent all year. The Grizzlies, you know, I like their depth. I'm a big fan of John Morant. They got Jaron Jackson back, which was really huge for their team. Um, and I believe, you know, it'd be the the Memphis Grizzlies taking on the Warriors to essentially try to squeeze in the playoffs and face whoever the number one seed is. For me, I fully expect – well, I didn't expect the Lakers to be in a seven in this situation, but uh, injuries have played a major role this year. A lot of guys have gotten injury, particularly – these stars, Anthony Davis missed a lot of time. LeBron missed time. Uh, just about every, a lot of people has missed a lot of time. So, you know, but they won a championship last year. So there, there is no, no one's gonna be sorry for the Lakers coming off a championship. So they got, they just gotta win. Simple as that. Uh, they're one game behind Portland and Dallas, uh, who are currently sitting in the sixth and fifth seeds. And so they, they're gonna have to step up. I mean, it looks like they're gonna play Golden State, and they need to win their game. But even if they don't. Uh, I definitely see them beating whoever wins between San Antonio and Memphis for sure. Uh, and even with Golden State, like I said, they ideally they might. I, if I'm if I'm the Lakers or Golden State or Memphis or whoever, I definitely don't want to play. I don't, I don't want the seven seed. I would much rather play the eight seed because Donovan Mitchell is still out, uh, and they're going to reevaluate him going into the playoffs. So I would much rather play Utah uh, than play Phoenix. Oh well, uh, yeah, Utah's still the first seed, so I'd much rather play Utah than I would Phoenix in the first round. So if I'm LA or Golden State, I honestly I kind of want to avoid the seven seed to be completely honest with you. Yeah, I could see that. Which I think the I believe the Suns still have a shot at finishing uh as the number one seed in the West. Let me double check. They're yes, two games they're two games behind the Jazz, which that's a slim chance of happening. So yeah, I'd probably go on and book the Jazz as the number one seed in the West. Uh, but like you said, definitely Donovan Mitchell's return is a huge shadow that looms over that team right now. But, you know, I think something we didn't mention uh, in our analysis of the Lakers, you know, LeBron James is yet to step back on the actual game court. You know, I saw some footage of him in a practice with the Lakers a couple of days ago, um, and he's definitely ramped up his activity. But as far as getting back on the floor, you know, that's remained to be seen. And, you know, they really desperately need him because, uh, you know, over these last games that he's been out, you can really tell, especially with combining that with Schroeder, they really miss having a ball handler out there because, you know, I'm, I like Alex Caruso. I like Taylor Horton Tucker, but they're just not full-time primary ball handlers. Uh, you know, they turn over the ball quite a bit. So, you know, LeBron's return, like I said, and how, how well he gets back acclimated with the team in his return is going to be something to keep an eye on. Definitely. But like I said, yeah, LeBron is going to have to, definitely have to get healthy because if he's not healthy, the Lakers don't stand a chance. 
And I think if he's not healthy, regardless, uh, if they play Utah or Phoenix, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't expect them to to advance to round two if LeBron's not healthy. It's just how important he is, and it's just how much of an impact that he has on the game. I mean, if LeBron doesn't return, I mean, I don't even know if I picked him up a Golden State in the play-in game. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I'm definitely concerned about that too because Steph Curry is hot. And I don't think we have an answer for for him, and it's and, you know so. No, nah, and they they they're clicking right now, man. Draymond Green's playing well. You know, of course, we know he's not a scorer, but what he does for them defensively, as well as he's pretty much their primary playmaker. He's top five in the league and assists per game this year. Um, so he's definitely the engine for that team. So, like I said, I don't think really anybody wants to see them in the play in or first round. I definitely wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't. But moving on here. Oh, you got one, you got something else to add? Oh no, I was just about to segue like you were. Just to say. <laughs> well, moving on here to the Eastern Conference. Uh, like I mentioned, Boston is sitting at seven. Charlotte is sitting at eight. Indiana at nine, and Washington at ten. So, Quentin, what are your thoughts on the the Eastern Conference playoff play in picture? Right. So. First, you got to look at the Boston Celtics. We, we've we already talked about Jalen Brown. That's a huge, huge loss for them. I don't think we could state just enough how huge of a loss it is for them. Uh, they've been highly inconsistent all year. Man, uh, they really don't have a consistent post score. Uh, of course, they got Tristan Thompson, but he only does so much. Uh, and I think if they, if they face a team like Charlotte, or if they slide down even farther, they'll probably end up going home. Um, and, you know, flipping to the other side, you know, got to give Charlotte some credit. They actually clinched a play-in berth last night. Um, a lot of people didn't see this team coming like this this year. You know, they were the number two pick in the draft, got LaMelo Ball. They signed Gordon Hayward in the offseason. Um, and they, they've they crept up on a lot of people in the league this year. And I don't – at least in the play-in play round, I wouldn't want to see Charlotte. But, you know, once they're actually in the bracket with a team like Philadelphia or a team like Brooklyn, I just think the 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 sides are too stacked against them. You know what? Uh, actually, I didn't expect – like I know you mentioned, uh, I didn't expect Charlotte to be in the playoff picture either. I don't I, – I didn't expect LaMelo Ball to make this big of an impact this early, but here he is. But here, here he is, and he's been great this year. Got Terry Rozier. You mentioned they added Gordon Hayward. So they, they're definitely a fun team to watch, and I would definitely love to see them in the playoffs. But uh, for Boston, you know, I I expect them, you know, to get in. I, between Boston and Charlotte, honestly, without Jalen Brown, I might would take Charlotte. I honestly believe Boston could fall out of the playoff picture altogether because I could honestly see them losing to any of these, all of these teams, to be completely honest, with Charlotte, Indiana, and Washington. So mm-hmm. I'm going to say, you know what, I'll say Charlotte gets the seven seed. And I, I think Boston might lose against Indiana or Washington. I, I, I'm going to go and say, go ahead and say Boston is not going to make the playoffs. Hmm. I can see that. Like I said, yeah. I believe I don't see them winning the play-in game either. It's really, really going to take some big contribution, like I said earlier, from guys like Kimball Walker and Evan Fournier. And even with that, they're not really good defensive players. So you're really missing Jalen Brown's role on that end of the court. 
And, you know, between Indiana and Washington, I'm, I'll definitely take Washington with the way, you know, Brad Bill's been playing all year and uh, how Russell Westbrook has been playing, especially this past month. I definitely – because Washington – Washington has been one of the best teams in the league uh, post All Star break. To be honest, if you look at their record wise, so mm-hmm. I definitely I would take Washington over Indiana and Boston if Boston happens to lose to Charlotte. So I I, I got Charlotte and Washington for my seventh and eighth seeds. Yeah, I'm right with you, bro. And I actually really like Washington. You know, and even Bradley Beal, he's banged up a little bit right now. So you know, hopefully he can get back to 100 percent for them because he's. He he's really, really, really important to what they do, especially on the offensive end of the floor. Uh, and I really like the combination of him and Russ playing together. Definitely, they've they've been a dynamic duo from the jump, and we know what Russell Russell Westbrook is, what he represents, and Bradley Beal is a monster too. Puts the ball in the bucket uh, at an amazing clip. He's efficient, a shooter. He gets to the cup, got the mid-range game. So, Brad Beal is complete on offensive end. And, you know, got uh, Roy uh, Achamara. I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name. And they got some other guys that contribute as well. So, like I said, I got Charlotte and Washington. They definitely got some nice pieces. And, you know, talking about what Russell Westbrook represents, got to bring up now he's officially the triple-double king. He is, and that, that per- you know that, that's a little side to talk before we get into our next topic. But yeah, let's talk about it. Russell Westbrook, hundred eighty-two career triple doubles in the regular season. Uh, had, has broken the record, Oscar Robinson's record, which has stood for a very long time. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on Russell Westbrook and his triple double crown? Man, you talk about long time. I think a lot of people thought that record was gonna be unbreakable. Uh, just like going back when when Oscar Robertson averaged a triple-double for an entire year, we thought that was unbreakable. But, you know, Russell Westbrook's slogan is why not? And, you know, he's proven time and time again, why not? Just like with the Wizards in the playoff race, you know, why not them? Uh, so, you know, I really don't get Russell Westbrook has probably received I'd say since he's entered the league, he's probably been top five when it comes to how much hate he's received. I just really, really don't get the disrespect and the hate he gets. You know, you hear all this talk about, oh, he's inefficient. He doesn't play championship-style basketball. At the end of the day, when it boils down to it, this dude is easily a top five point guard to ever touch a basketball uh, you know, and to be in the category with guys like the big O, he's up there with Jason Kidd, you know, Magic Johnson. He's definitely in some rare air. Um, you know, you know me for a long time. I've been one of the biggest Russell Westbrook fans there is. And all the hate he's received over the past years has definitely been unwarranted. Uh, but the, the man is, you, you can't deny his greatness. Like you mentioned, top five point guard of all time, certified Hall of Famer. And the thing with his triple doubles is that he wins games. It's not stat padding. He's he has a record of 136 and 45 already records a triple double. That's a 75% winning percentage. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. And just the this season alone. And it, this season alone, he's averaging a career high in rebounds and assists. And Russell is well over 30 years old. I think he's about 31, 32, if I'm not mistaken. Mm, so I think just, 31. So just that alone, like this, it's amazing. And then he's six foot three. He's not a six seven small four, six eight power four, nothing like that. He's not LeBron James size. He's six foot three, two hundred pounds, and he plays every position like it's his last position. So, like I said, shout out to Russ. 
a triple double king. I didn't think that record would ever be broken, but here we are. And the crazy part is, you know, he just really started uh, once once Kevin Durant left was when he really started getting triple double. So it's just the last four or five seasons. But think about it, he's played he played five five four seasons before that. And so like the, the amount of triple doubles he's got just in that time alone is just amazing. Right, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was just about to give you a quick timeline. Of course, you talk about year one without KD in OKC. That was the year you had 42 triple-doubles in one season. Uh, and, of course, he broke the big old single-season record set 50 years earlier. Then the following year was when he crossed 100 career triple-doubles. Then in 2019, that was a stretch when he was with the Rockets where he had 11 straight games with triple-doubles. And I actually think I remember that game. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the latest game. And in this same game, he actually joined LeBron, Oscar Robertson, and Gary Payton as the only players in NBA history with over 20,000 points and 8,000 assists. His versatility is, is definitely unmatched. It's just it's completely unmatched. And, right. Know, and it's not – he doesn't uh, – he has playoff, uh, playoff triple-doubles as well. He has 10, so he actually has 193 career triple-doubles. He has 36 triple-doubles this season. Uh and he's only played 62 games, so triple double over half the games again. <laughs> Man, he's the Walker definition of last night. I messed around and got a triple double. <laughs> I mean, if you just want to look at his last few games, uh, think about his last his last game: 23 points, 13 rebounds, 21 assists. The game before, he had night 33, 19, and 15, uh, 13, 17, and 17. 29, 12, and 17. He had a game where he had 14, 21 rebounds, and 24 assists. So, the what he does is amazing. And, you know, you got guys that talk about, you know, he's stat padding, but, no, nah, that's not stat padding when you're winning games. And he wins uh, he wins games at a high clip. He does he does what he, what the team needs for him to do. And that's why, he's, that's why he's great. That's why he's transcendent. And that's why he's Hall of Fame bound. Right, easily Hall of Fame worthy. And, you know, with that winning, one thing that doesn't get talked about enough in his game is his leadership. And I think we've really seen that this year with the Wizards and how he's elevated that team. Definitely, definitely. Like I said, they were in a, they were in a dumpster. Uh, but once uh, after the after All-Star break, they've been one of the best teams in basketball. No doubt, man. But moving on to our next topic here, the WNBA season, the 25th uh, WNBA season is upon us, and the regular season starts on May 14th. Uh, Quinn, go ahead and claim your team. Yes, sir. So, of course, this is our first episode, actually, where we're discussing the WNBA. Like you said, the 25th season, man, I'm excited. And so what we want to do, we're going to go ahead and claim our teams. And so... Really, it's kind of the same way I am with basketball. Everybody who knows me knows that my loyalty is to the LeBron James. I guess technically my team would be the Chicago Bulls, but first and foremost, it's LeBron before all. But in the WNBA, I'm definitely rolling with my Chicago Sky and my beloved Candace Parker. Uh, you know, she actually... This off this past offseason, her move from the LA Sparks to the Chicago Sky 
probably had to be the biggest free agent move in WNBA history. Uh, and, you know, actually, this brings her back to her hometown. Of course, she grew up in Chicago. Uh, of course, before ultimately she played college ball at UT. Uh, but she's a two-time MVP. She's a future Hall of Famer. She just won Defensive Player of the Year last year at age 34. Uh, so she's still getting it done. She's still easily a top five player in the league. Uh, and, you know, I really like the pieces that they have around her uh, in Chicago. You know, first looking at Courtney Vandersloot, I think she's the best point guard in the WNBA. Uh, she's a walking double-double pretty much. Last year, she averaged 10 assists. Uh, and I think, you know, this year with Candace taking some of that attention from her, I think that could definitely help not only her assist numbers, but her scoring numbers. And then, you know, they also, uh, they got Diamond DeShields, uh, who's another effective guard. You know, she had a disappointing year last year, had her season cut short by injuries in the bubble. Uh, but, you know, she really showed the potential to be a star in the league. Um, and like I said, they just really have some really nice pieces there in Chicago. And I think Candace could also serve as a mentor. Uh, for some of their young players, you know, they got Allie Quigley uh, and Azura Stevens also. So I think, you know, the sky's the limit for the sky. <laughs> you know, I like Chicago as well. Uh, and one one girl, one lady that you forgot to mention that joined the team is Lexi Brown. Uh, many people don't know. A lot of people don't know about Lexi Brown. Lexi Brown is a baller. She challenged the record for the most steals in the season last year. She averaged uh, over three steals a game last year. And that's not all she does. She has a nice pull-up game, can get to the cup, and she's a sharp, sharp shooter from three. They also added her, too, as well. So, Minnesota, they're definitely going to be a great, a good team to watch. But for me, I got to go with the Las Vegas Aces. So, uh, let me just run off some names here. They have the reigning MVP in Asia Wilson. They got Liz Cambridge, Chelsea Gray, Angel McCautry, uh, Kelsey Plum, uh, who missed all of 2020 with an Achilles injury, De'Erica Hambry, who's a two-time reigning sixth woman of the year. They had Jackie Young, who was the first overall pick in the 2019 draft, and they got Rakina Williams. That's that is a monstrous lineup. That's a monstrous rotation for a WNBA team. Like I said, Aja Wilson, like I mentioned, was the MVP. Is a baller. Liz Cambridge is a monster in the middle. We know what Kelsey Plum can do. Uh, Angel McCautry still putting up solid numbers. Chelsea Gray is still a great player. So I like I like I like Las Vegas, man. So if you see me with a, a Aja Wilson Las Vegas Aces jersey, then you know. You know what you know what it is. Yeah, man, I give you credit. Look, Las Vegas is easily the best team in the league. Uh, and you know they actually went to the WNBA Finals last year without Liz Cambridge. And you know, on any good night, she's easily a top ten player in the league. Uh, she's dominant, man. You know what she could do down in the post. And then you brought up Asia Wilson. You know, I saw her firsthand giving UT buckets. So, you know, she's money in the lane. And now she's expanded her game behind the three-point line. So, you know, her potential is really, really scary. And, you know, actually something, too, about the LA or the LV Aces, you know their head coach is Bill Lambeer. Definitely. You already know. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, like, they, like you said, they got a squad. They're going to be dangerous. Uh, and, you know, the Seattle Storm, they're going to be right back in the picture. You got the Washington Mystics getting Elena Della Dime back. So, you know, the Phoenix Mercury and Diana Taurasi, can't forget about her. She's the female Mamba 
Uh, so it should be an exciting 25th season for the WNBA, especially they'll be getting a lot more nationally televised games this year. Definitely. Like I said, like you mentioned, Phoenix, Deanna Tarasi, Brittany Grinder, Skylar Diggins, that's a monstrous big three. So I definitely expect them to be in the mix as well. You mentioned the Washington Mystics. Can't count out Seattle with Brianna Stewart, who all she does is win. Shout out to Brianna Monster. Stewart. But this is going to be an exciting WNBA season. I'm definitely going to be tuned in. Uh, on the, starting on the, starting Friday, I'll definitely be tuned in. And we are going to talk a lot more WNBA going forward. No doubt, man. I'm definitely excited to bring this to the show. And, of course, too, uh, you know, remember Sabrina Ionescu, who was tied real close with Kobe. She had her rookie season cut short by injuries, but she'll be back this year also for the New York Liberty. So that'll be something to keep an eye on as well. Definitely, definitely. So we're going to stick with basketball here, but it's going to be on, on a different note here. So J. Cole is expected to sign with the Rwanda Patriots of the Basketball Africa League. Quentin, what are your thoughts on the J. Cole situation? Cold world. <laughs> but, uh, man, this is exciting. Of course, you know, it was released this week. Sources told the undefeated that J. Cole, he'll be playing for the Rwandan team, the Patriots BBC, and this will be the first season of the Basketball Africa League. Uh, you know, of course, he got – J. Cole got there to Rwanda, uh, and he's in the midst of quarantining and all that. But it'll be a 12-team league. Uh, of course, J. Cole, he's no stranger to basketball. He starred in high school at Sanford High School over in North Carolina. And then, you know, depending on how far you tracked his career, he was a walk-on at St. John's. But he made the wonderful decision to decide to fully pursue his music career. Uh, and that was before he even really played in the D1 game. Uh, and now here he is some years later. He's you know, rekindling, reconnecting with that basketball dream. And now he's trying to play professionally overseas. But, you know, what was it? A few months ago, I believe, he actually had a workout with the Detroit Pistons. So that's when I was like, all right, he might be legit. And, you know, I saw some videos on social media. I think he had been working out with Chris Matthews, you know, a.k.a. some people know him as Lethal Shooter on Instagram. Uh, but I'm excited, man. I think it'll definitely bring a lot of revenue to that league and a lot of much-needed attention. J. Cole can actually hoop. I follow Chris Brickley, who's a, a famous trainer on Instagram. and he's I saw him this summer. He was in runs with NBA players like Carmelo Anthony, uh, Trey Young, guys like J.R. Smith, and he held his own. So J. Cole can actually hoop, like you mentioned. Uh, he made the team as a walk-on in St. John's but never played. So he definitely can ball. So I'm, I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Like I said, like I said, you know, we've seen him on social media hooping around. So I'm excited to see what he's going to do against, you know, pros uh, in the Africa League. I'm, I just want to see what he's going to do. I think he'll play well. Yeah, man, I definitely think it's a win-win for both sides. You know, like you said, this is the Basketball Africa League's first year. And to have somebody of J. Cole's stature uh, with his celebrity status worldwide is huge for them. And, of course, we got to mention – his off-season album is coming out this Friday. So if you're a J. Cole fan, definitely tune in. Definitely, definitely. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Hopefully he balls out. I think so too, man. And with an album like off-season coming out, 
before you go play basketball, you got to think he's about to go over there and just completely go bonkers. <laughs> Hopefully he does. I just hope he drop. I just hope he have one good 40 or 50 piece game and then make a song about it. Now, I don't know if he's going to get 40 or 50 now, but I, I can see maybe 30, but 40 or 50, I don't know about that. Just one game, man, once. Just for Cole, man. Cole got to do it for the culture. We'll see. We'll see. That's a <laughs> lot to put on. 50 is a lot. No doubt. It's okay to be a little, you know, out there with my predictions, though. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But moving on to our last topic of the day, this is a topic that I think we definitely are going to disagree on. Uh, but there's been, much discussion. there's been much discussion in recent weeks on, on who is the most skilled player in the NBA. So, Quentin, who is, in your opinion, who's the most skilled player in the NBA? You know what? You're exactly right. We are going to disagree on this because I think I already know where you're going. And I'm going – a complete 180 from that answer. And I don't know if anybody really expects this player to be the answer to this question. But to answer who's the most skilled player in the NBA right now, I'm going with James Harden. I think, you know, when it comes to what he does on the offensive end of the floor, he's as good of a triple threat player as it gets. You know, first, his shooting ability, what, you know, he does with his step back, how him in Houston under the direction of Daryl Morey and, you know, coach, excuse me, uh, what's his name? Mike D'Antoni. Yeah, that's right. Under coach Mike D'Antoni, all they did was shot 53-pointers a game. Uh, And, you know, he's lethal from back there. And we've seen how players have tried to defend defend him and will literally stand on his left side to try to eliminate that step back. And regardless, it just doesn't work. And then, you know, after the shooting, if you press up on him, he'll just blow right by you. His ability to get to the hole, his ability to finish through contact is unmatched. And not to mention, he's a super efficient free throw shooter. And I'll be remiss if I didn't bring up his ability to pass the ball. And, you know, that really revolutionized when he went to Houston and they put the ball in his hands full time. Uh, We really got to see just how good of a decision maker he is. And, you know, with just how lethal of an offensive weapon as he is, he draws so much defensive attention that when you surround him with those shooters, that gives them ample opportunities to cash in from long range. So I think when you take into account just how lethal he is as a player, how much defensive attention he draws, not to mention how many moves he has in his arsenal. I think James Harden is the most skilled player in the NBA. I thought you were going to go with LeBron. So, okay, I'm not really mad about that. But I'm going to go with his teammate, and I'm going with Kyrie Irving. I think he's a mini version of Kobe Bryant, who I believe is the most skilled player to ever walk God's green earth. And I don't think there should be no debate about that. Let's be honest here. Uh, but for Kyrie, my case for Kyrie, Kyrie is the best ball handler I've ever seen. Uh, has the best footwork in the game today. Has Is the best finisher his size at the rim that I've ever seen. Is a great shooter. Can't finish with either hand. And his tough shot making ability is something I haven't seen. You no. Know, 
outside of Kobe and Kevin Durant, you know, guys like Jason Tatum, he, think about it, he's only six foot two, and his tough shot making ability is one of the best ever. So I, I think it's for me, it's Kyrie. Like I, I don't. James Harden is, you know, he's in the conversation. Kevin Durant is in the conversation. Steph Curry, those kind of guys in the conversation. But I think Kyrie's another level. Like I mentioned, ball handling, footwork, shooting, finishing, being ambidextrous. Uh, I think it's Kyrie. You know what? I mean, Kyrie, I think a good majority of people, he'd be the first name you easily spit out when this conversation comes up. Like you said, he's a baby Kobe Bryant, uh, you know. He pretty much can score from anywhere on the floor. He can score off one leg. He can score off two. He can score flying in the air. I mean, he can do whatever. He can pull up from 30. I mean, Kyrie can do it all, but James Harden can too, and at a higher level. And not to mention, he can dish the ball and didn't even bring up, especially probably over the last year or so, James Harden's really stepped up on the defensive end of the floor. And so taking all that into account and, you know, something else I didn't even mention, you know, this is a huge stat in my opinion. James Harden has a higher true shooting percentage than Kobe, MJ, and Wilt Chamberlain. Just think about those three guys and how elite of scorers they were and how dominant they were in the league. James Harden, I just think, you know, he's – Unlike anything we've ever seen before, I don't think we'll ever see anything like him again. You know, I get it. A lot of people don't like his playing style. He doesn't show up in the playoffs. I get it. But, you know, we've seen over long stretches, you know, he has an MVP in this case for a reason. We've seen over long stretches of periods where he can just go out and go crazy. What was it, last year, year before? I think he had like 30-something games or something like that where he was putting up like 30 a night, and that was including like 60-point triple-doubles. I'm sorry, but Kyrie ain't doing that. I mean, there's no doubt James James Harden is more prolific as a scorer, as a passer, but we're not talking about statistics. We're talking about pure skill here. Like I said, I think it's Kyrie. I don't think James Harden is a better ball handler than Kyrie. I don't think he's a he's not a better shooter, Kyrie. You can look at that statistically, and then even at the rim, I don't think he's a better finisher at Kyrie. And Kyrie is about two three inches shorter and probably about 20, 20 pounds lighter. So, like I said, for me, it's Kyrie. Well, when have we seen Kyrie as the primary force on the team leading them to the playoffs? They don't. That has nothing to do with the topic at hand. <laughs> It's who is the most skilled player. It's not really? who's the most, who's the best really? at the team. It's about who it's about who's the most skilled player. Kyrie's the most skilled player. Even it's his tough shot making ability. You don't see James Harden in the low post. What? But you see Kyrie doing you see you see Kyrie doing uh turn, over the shoulder fadeaways like Kobe does, bro. Come on, bro. It's Kyrie, bro. Come on. James Harden may be more prolific, but it's Kyrie. Okay, for one, you have to take into account he probably wasn't getting as many looks in the post in the post because that's not what the offense asked James Harden to do. I don't think there's any doubt in my mind that if James Harden wanted to score from the low post, he could. Okay, so I'm glad you brought that up about what he's asked to do. So you don't think if Kyrie played in Mike D'Antoni's system for all the years that he wouldn't average 30 a game? Nope. Come on, bro. Stop playing. Come on now. Nope. 
I mean, on, I still, like I said, I haven't seen I haven't seen Kyrie Irving as the number one guy on the team be able to elevate them to a playoff level. We're not talking about elevation and leading teams to the playoffs. We're talking about just straight basketball skill. You're talking about leading right. teams. We're not talking about that. We're talking about straight skill. We're not talking about playoff resume, none of that. We're talking about straight skill. Like I said, he has the edge in ball handling. Playoff he has resume. the edge in shooting. James he has the edge in ball handling. Playoff resume. He has the edge in ball handling. He has the edge in shooting. He has the edge, edge in finishing in the rim. He's ambidextrous, and he's a better tough shot maker, bro. It's Kyrie Irving. I'm giving the edge to James Harden. I can't do it. I, I, I put game, I'll put James Harden at two, but he's not one for me. No. I can't do it. I just don't see how you got a dude that's averaging 30 and 10. Because you hadn't even – Kyrie Irving, you hadn't brought up anything about playmaking, nothing about defense. I mean, none of that. Defense isn't a skill. Defense is about effort. And you yes, James Harden – This is a skill. Jam- James Harden is a better passer, yeah. I can't everybody defense, play defense. Defense is mostly an effort thing, bro. Think about that. Defense is mostly effort. Like, you got to have a certain level of skill and intelligence and IQ, that type of thing. But, listen, defense is mostly effort. Let's let's be honest here, bro. Like, you got a lot of guys that got – think about James Harden. Like, for years, he was talking about as being a terrible defender. But he always had the ability. He has the, the physical attributes to be a great defender. He just didn't put in the effort necessary into, into years past where he put in more effort. But but defense is mostly about your physical traits and your really your desire to play defense if you want to be real. But like I said, I mean, yeah, James Harden got the edge as a passer. Uh, in terms of statistics. Yeah, whoa, 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 whoa. You're telling me what guys like Anthony Davis, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Ben Simmons – what they bring to the floor on the defensive end on the night in night out basis that's not a skill i didn't say it wasn't a, i didn't say it wasn't a skill what i said it take you know they're also elite defensively because of their physical attributes Kawhi wouldn't be as elite defensively if he had a, a 6 7 wingspan and 6 foot 7 he has a 7 foot 3 wingspan physical attributes and effort play a lot more into defense than most people realize and of course you got to have a solid iq but when you're that gifted physically and you put in the effort on defensive end, you're going to be a monster defensively. But come on now. Look, man, the way I see it, James Harden's more skilled than Kyrie Irving. And I think the only thing that's going to be evident when James Harden goes down as an arguably top 30 player to ever play the game of basketball. Yes, James Harden is more prolific statistically, yes. But if you just want to look at and I, he's a better passer, yes. But statistics. I'm just saying, okay. But, okay, I'll give him that. I'll give him passing or whatever. I'll give him defense. Well, offensively, ball handling, Kyrie. Footwork, Kyrie. Finishing ability, Kyrie. Shooting ability, Kyrie. Being ambidextrous, Kyrie. Tough shot making ability, that's Kyrie, bro. They're, they're, no, come on now. Nobody has that combination like Kyrie does, bro. Nobody in the game today has that combination, that elite combination. Look, man, the way I see it is James Harden. We're going to have to agree to disagree because it's definitely man, Look at it now. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a great example. So this Brooklyn team right now, who's their second best player behind KD? That has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're ta- Again, you're talking about leading teams and stuff. They ain't got nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're talking about straight skill. No, no, no. I just said you're who's the better in- player. I just said who's the better that's player. Irrelevant. That's 
this I, it's irrelevant. I know, I know. it's just, not it's not related to who's the most skilled. I just say who's the better player. James Harden. I just think if you think it's close between James Harden and Kyrie, I I don't know what to say. <laughs> and look, I'm a huge Kyrie Irving fan. Everybody knows I love Duke. So, you know, Kyrie, he probably played for us a quarter or two, but he still is a blue devil. And I'm still taking James Harden as a more skilled player. And you got to, you have the right to I haven't seen any defenses adjust the way they have to James Harden to Kyrie Irving. Have you seen the defenses they throw at James Harden? Listen, listen. I don't care about none of that, bro. We're talking about who is the most skilled player, bro. Kyrie is a better ball handler. He has better footwork. He's a better finisher at the rim. He's a better shooter. He's more ambidextrous. And he has a he's a better tough shot maker. That's offensive skill right there. I don't care about him leading the team. What defense? I, I don't care about none of that. We're talking about straight skill here. I don't see Kyrie getting triple team. I don't see Kyrie with people all up on his right shoulder just completely trying to eliminate that. I don't see people trying to emulate Kyrie's step-back jumper. I don't see any of that. Any of it. Dude, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. We're just talking about straight, pure basketball skill. We're not talking about being double and triple team, Quinn. Is that not a part of skill, though, man? If he was so skilled, why would he not draw all that extra defensive attention? You want to know why James Harden gets all that attention? Because what he what he's been able to do offensively the last few years. But you want to know why he's he's had the he's had the ultimate green light. He's had the ultimate free reign to do all of this stuff. Like I said, do you don't think Kyrie would get more attention if he played with Mike D'Antoni? He would average thirty a game too. So it don't take skill for him to do that. It takes skill for him to do that. Of course it does. You can't can't average 35 a game without a high skill level, bro. But I just think just straight basketball, I think Kyrie is a more skilled player. Why hadn't Kyrie what? ever averaged 30? And he don't even play. He doesn't even get assists. Why don't he average 30? I don't know why he's at. I, I, listen, I don't I don't know what, what green light he's had with coaches in previous years. You got to mention he also played with LeBron James. Uh, we all know playing with LeBron James as a second fiddle, you're not going to get the shots that you usually get. Even playing on his own, I don't know what kind of green light they had. I don't know what kind of system they ran. I don't know what the coach asked him to do. The coach might not have asked him to go get 30 every night. So he, we don't we don't know if he can go get 30 night because I don't know if he's been asked to do that. And now he has uh, now he has Kevin Durant and now he has James Harden. So, of course, he's not going to get 30 a night with those guys on the roster. The way I see it, James Harden is a way more unstoppable offensive player than Kyrie Irving. Okay, we'll have to agree to disagree. If I got Kyrie Irving and James Harden coming at me down the lane, I'm going to be way more afraid of James Harden than I am Kyrie. I mean, he is, James Harden is about 6'5", 220, 230. So, I mean, I'd be a little more intimidated too, but okay. That's that's besides the point. But. Nah, size ain't got nothing to do with it. He may be what like two inches taller. Wow, and he got him by thirty pounds too. That makes a difference too. Come on now. Either way, man, James Harden is a lot more of a threat coming down the lane than Kyrie Irving is. 
That may be true, but that, like I said, that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. But we're gonna have to agree to disagree because we can go on this for not for for forever. Man, it's James Harden. It's cool. Okay, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> Man, that was a that was a good heated debate though. I'm over here sweating. But as long as we know that Kobe's the most skilled player ever, then we good. I give him that. Kobe Kobe definitely is the most skilled player ever. You know, you can debate it might be Michael Jordan, but I think what Kobe did, you know, he was just as graceful. He was a lot more sophisticated, and he pretty much refined everything that MJ did. So definitely has to Kobe. As long as we agree on that, we good. But – that's all we have for y'all today. This is episode 51 of the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Covington, and I am joined alongside with my brother. That's right. I'm Quentin Douglas. And be sure, don't forget, you can follow us. We have our Facebook group, First and Foremost Sports Podcast. You can give us a follow on Twitter, First and Foremost Sports Podcast. Or you can follow us on Instagram, pretty much any platform. You can search us. You can find us. You can find us on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. We're actually on up to nine different Spotify p- or podcast platforms now. So be sure that whatever your podcast platform is, you're subscribing and you're following so you get notified whenever we put out an episode. And we appreciate y'all. All right. Like you said, thank y'all. Follow us. Please interact with us. We're open to all suggestions. And uh, just like I said, I want to thank y'all again for continuing to support us. And we're out of here. Deuces.